the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views expressed on the following program do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Perspective. Teaching. Conversation. This is Isaiah 61. Over the next half hour, you'll hear why the Lord provided those verses and how they can be used in witnessing, in the church, and in daily life as God's children. Now, here's your host of Isaiah 61 from Spirit of the Lord Church in North Minneapolis, Pastor Joe Sutton. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. This is Pastor Joe Sutton uh, coming at you from uh, North Minneapolis. Just want to just greet everybody and and say uh, I hope everybody's getting adjusted to the new temperatures and that's out here. Uh, It always takes me a while to get adjusted to the change in temperatures. But one thing I kind of like about it is that that the days tend to be tend to be a, a little bit shorter and uh and so therefore it gets darker quicker and therefore my kids calm down faster. So <laughs> they're still they still thinking like when it's dark it's like ten, eleven o'clock. So they start wandering off the bed. It gives me more free time to get around. You know, I was uh talking to someone this weekend and uh and I really enjoy uh, visiting with the young man I had on last week, Marco, um, and uh, how he uses the arts to uh, just to make an impact in the city of Chicago. Chicago is, is my hometown where I grew up at. I always, always, will always pray for it. Never have to worry about me going back to it because you know, I, I think my next destination is going to be somewhere along the equator. <laughs> I want, I want nice warm weather all year round, or a couple of hurricanes every now and then. I'd be happy. You know, going in there, but I was just thinking of a thing when we we were talking, and I was just looking at a lot of things that that happens in the news, and a lot of ways that we 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 get reactions to the news, and and being a pastor and and seeing people there, you know, I I I try to be like Jesus. Jesus didn't get caught up in the political or the religious turmoil of his day, you know. He tried to stay biblical, and 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 that's what I try to stay. I try to stay biblical, but. The more I try to be biblical, the more I notice how cultural uh, we are in some of the things that we say are Christian or things that we say are biblical, but they're really cultural. And, you know, and in me, I always go by the mantra of that, that culture does not supersede scripture, right? Culture does not supersede scripture. And, and we have to be real careful as we define culture. And that, that culture is not race. Culture is not the color of your skin. I know as a young man growing up in Chicago, I always assumed that the culture that I grew up in, south side of Chicago, was was black. I mean, that's just how, how all black people live. And I, I didn't realize that that my culture was heavily influenced by the southern culture because most of the people in Chicago had come from the South, mainly Mississippi. And and so they kind of brought their culture with them. 
And if you look at church, church usually preserves culture. Uh, you know, you have like the Lutherans with Germans and Swedish with free. And, you know, you look at all the different things. But when people come to the, to the country, their church usually operated like the church back home. And then as and, and we see that in language based churches, you know, immigrant churches or first generation here churches. And uh, but, you know, you also see it. And our other other churches, people who are here who move, like, you know, when when blacks moved from the south to the north, they weren't like a lot of immigrants that moved to the to the north, came into the north, where the Catholic Church became a big part of life. Most blacks, when they moved up north, they were already Methodist or Baptist or something else already. So the Catholic Church didn't play a big part in their life. And so when I went down to this, my college, which was Florida A and M University which was a historically black college. I mean, it was, and it was like 95%, you know, uh, black students. When I, when I got there, I realized that race was not culture because in the midst of those, you know, 12,000 people, there were different cultures. There were different ways of life, different ways of doing things. Uh, me and my wife come from two different cultures. You know I mean? I don't eat beans and greens without cornbread, and she can eat beans and greens without cornbread. I'm like, how can you eat greens with no cornbread? That is just sacrilegious. You know, then she has the nerve to put sugar in her grits, and I'd be ready to hit the roof. You know what I mean? You put sugar in the grits. You put sugar in mashed potatoes. Don't be putting sugar in grits. You know, so, <laughs> so, but we realized that though we may be lumped into the same group of people if we were in a room with somebody else, but definitely when you when you come with us, we all come from different cultures. I mean the meaning the culture is how we do life, how we live life. What what do we do? And even in the body of Christ, you have different cultures. You can say that, you know, we all believe that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh who died for our sins and you know, and everything like that. But there's different cultures. There are people who who like to be quiet in church, and then there's people who like to be loud in church, and then there's people who, you know, who where, you know, they, they worship for an hour and some only worship for 10 minutes and some sing hymns and some, so it's different cultures, meaning different ways of doing life, different ways of getting there. And it, 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 and we have to understand that culture does not supersede scripture. So in other words, if I'm with the, say I'm, I'm, no, I am, I'm with the loud crowd. You know what I mean? I'm with the, I'm with the, if we ain't worshiping 45 minutes to an hour, we didn't have church crowd. You know what I mean? that That's the crowd I'm with. You know, I'm, I'm with the talk to me as I'm preaching. Let me get some amen, some hallelujahs, repeats, and whatever. Say it again. Preach it. Go ahead with it. I was raised Catholic, so I already done the silent thing. You know, I mean? so I got to have me some noise. You know, you come in, you come in some prayer meetings, everybody got their head down, quiet, like a funeral. You come in other prayer meetings, it's loud, rolling, you know. But it's it's how you do life. It's it's the, it's a cultural thing. Is and, and and culture doesn't supersede scripture. Meaning that I can't say that your prayer meeting is 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 not godly or not Christian, and mine is, or vice versa. Because what we have to do, we have to let scripture define, you know, what is biblical and what is godly, not our culture. And so a lot of times we do some things that are cultural, right? And 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 we'll we'll find a way. We'll try to find the scripture to justify what we're doing, you know. What I mean? But it's not, it's not biblical. It's cultural, you know. I remember when growing up uh, in, in in Chicago at the Museum of Science and Industry, 
there's a, always a display every year called Christmas Around the World. And I learned that all around the world, everybody does Christmas different, you know, depending upon their culture. You might have two or three different types of Christmas celebrations in your own family. You know, some people do Christmas Eve. Some people do, you know, Christmas Day. Some people open gifts Christmas Eve. Some open Christmas Day. Some waiting at midnight, 1201. You know, uh, you know, some have midnight mass. Some have Christmas Day services. You know, it, it all depends on what it is. And it varies. And it's, and it's by, by culture. And so a lot of times because we raised up in things and we see things in the church, we start thinking that they're, that's Christianity when really it's culture. You know what I mean? And, and, and Christianity can adjust to any culture. You know what I mean? But you, one culture can't say that the way we do it is the right way. Right. And so, you know, it, it grieves me at times when I see men and women of the gospel sharing culture and defending culture as if it was scripture. Uh, you know, I just missionaries going over there and sharing with someone in another culture about Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is a cultural thing. That's, that's just American things. I, I don't see the, the biblical significance of having um, Russian children dress up like pilgrims. You know, <laughs> it has nothing to do with them. You know what I mean? And you're over there sharing the gospel and, and tying the gospel into Thanksgiving because the gospel has been tied into Thanksgiving for you because Thanksgiving is a part of the American culture and you use that event to share the gospel. But that doesn't mean that Thanksgiving is biblical or scriptural. You know what I mean? To give thanks is biblical and scriptural. But I don't think the Russians had the same kind of feeling toward Thanksgiving as, as Americans. And I definitely know uh, as as a Native American, I definitely don't have the same feelings toward toward, uh, <laughs> toward Thanksgiving as some people do. So you got to ask yourself these questions is that, you know, what is culture and what is scripture? You know, you need to know scripture and not culture. You know, and so, you know, if I always tell my congregation that if if we were all to pass away, you know, that the young people, the kids would probably do service the same way out of a cultural perspective and not out of a biblical perspective because they don't understand biblically why we read the Psalms and why we sing a song and then we uh, say a prayer and then we go into more singing and then we take a break what we call a, a fellowship break after we sing or a water break to quench your thirst and uh, and we then we greet people and then we go there they would follow that same order but not out of a, a scriptural content they will follow it out of cultural content because that's what we've always done that's how we've celebrated bit service so I, so we have to be careful in that we that we make sure that they understand scripturally and biblically how to worship. So, and not just how we worship, because even if they were to go to another city or go to someplace else and try to find a church like ours, no, you just try to find a church that's biblical. You know what I mean? Not one that's like yours, because you, there, there shouldn't be another one like yours. It should be unique, you know, unless you're copying, you know what I mean, or that there, but but you get to that point. So we have to understand that when we have to separate this. And so over the years, as you can as you can tell that there's a lot of culture in the church or cultural preferences, but not really much from a biblical perspective, meaning that you can go back to the Bible and see. And so a lot of times I don't know if you, you have this experience, but in the urban experience, you know, it, it there 
you know, if there are no solicitation laws, I ain't never seen them enforced. And pretty much we have everything coming through my neighborhood. I have Jehovah's Witnesses. I have I have Mormons. You know, I have uh, I have Hebrew Israelites, Nation of Islam, uh, Sunni. I, I, we have everything going around, handing out tracts, uh, giving away food, doing all kinds of things, you know, trying to reach people in the context, you know, and usually in, in suburbia with no solicitation or lack of apartment buildings, you don't really get the same the same flow, but we get it all. And so Jesus is mentioned almost every day, but not in the context of him being, you know, God in the flesh, but just being sometimes a good teacher, a prophet, a man obtained things. And so the level of confusion about Jesus is there and it doesn't help when the folks who have the truth push culture over scripture. And then people take advantage of that and come in and say, if they believe the Bible is the inerrant word of God, why are they doing this? Right. And then you can't really defend it because it's cultural. You can't. I mean, as, as a friend of mine from Jamaica once said, y'all make us think we don't know Jesus because we ain't got no snow. You know, because, you know, if, you, if, if, if we always say it's not a good Christmas, if there's no snow. Right. It's like Jamaica ain't getting no snow. So they'll, they'll never have a good Christmas. You know what I mean? So what makes a good Christmas? Well, that's limited to people who live within a certain belt there where snow can come. And so now we've always associated Christmas, which is a cultural celebration, celebration, birth, birth, not a biblical celebration, it's a cultural celebration of the birth of Christ. And But we equate it with snow. And so if you don't get snow, which Jesus never had a good Christmas because he never got any snow. You know what I mean? So he just never, unless he climbed onto the mountains of Lebanon and just waited you know, I mean, he, then he can have a, a, a good birthday. But, you know, we, we, we allow over time for culture to come in, and that's how we look at it, you know what I mean? And, you know, how we baptize, you know, how we preach, how we go, you know, and, and over time culture comes in, and then we stick with a predominant a culture, and if we don't like it, we just go form another denomination so that our culture can be the, 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 the culture that they, we operate in. And when really we have to understand that though we may be, operating this way culturally, you know, but we have to understand what it is biblically. And so if another brother or sister is also operating, we can't go and say that that they're wrong or they're out of order because they're not doing it like us. And in turn, we're not really doing it the right way either. You know, so we have to look at that. And so the, the challenge comes in at times is to, to really examine uh, your lifestyle to examine your belief system, to examine what you have, and start to sort out what is cultural as what's biblical. It doesn't mean that the culture needs to be thrown away. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm just saying is you need to know to be able to rightly divide the word and give an answer, you know, for what you're doing and to make it understand that, you know, yes, I understand it, that, uh, that it's okay to be quiet when I pray. <laughs> yes, I understand it's okay to be loud when I pray. You know what I mean? You know, it's just not for me. Yeah, I mean, this uh, brother challenged me one day uh, about the Bible doesn't say you can't drink. And I said, no, it doesn't say you can't drink. I said in Proverbs, it says, give wine, you know, to a fool and strong drink to someone who's about to die. And I'm not a fool and I'm not dying, so I'm not drinking. I said, that's just me. You can drink if you want to. I just, I don't I don't really have a problem with it. You know what I mean? I, you know, I said, I ain't going to buy you nothing. Yeah, but, yeah, but I, you can go do what you want to do. As long as you don't get drunk. I said, just don't be drunk, right? You know. Some people can drink one beer and be sloshed and 
And some people can drink 24, you know what I mean, and not be sloshed. <laughs> I'm not out here to play 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 alcohol police, but what I'm out here to say is that I, I, we have to, what we do and what we hit to has to be biblical, you know what I mean? And we go back to the Bible, and we study that Bible, and we read that Bible, and the Bible becomes our guide and force and our light. You're listening to Isaiah 61, the radio ministry of the Spirit of the Lord Church. I'm Pastor Joe Sutton, and uh, we're running up on our break. When we come back after the break, uh, I just want to talk about some ways that, you know, that we can uh, uh, understand each other culturally and uh, and reach a point in our life where we all can understand that the main thing in our life is to be biblical. Spirit of the Lord Church is a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church impacting North Minneapolis and the greater Twin Cities. Emphasizing the four pillars of godly thinking, training up godly children, godly marriages, and outreach to the community. Spirit of the Lord has quickly become a staple to some of the people who need God the most. As they focus on Jesus Christ, grace and truth bind them together to become God's best. Join them for service every Sunday morning at 1030 at 1001 Penn Avenue North in Minneapolis. Spirit of the Lord Church, a proud sponsor of Isaiah 61. If it was 1990, you'd be listening to your favorite radio station on a bulky boombox that burns through D batteries faster than you can say you've got mail. Thankfully, it's the 21st century, and there are much better alternatives. For example, just ask Alexa to tune in. Alexa, play the Mission Minneapolis. Throw out that old beaver and get with the times. Listen to your favorite AM 980 The Mission Bible teachers and ministries with Alexa and Amazon Echo. Ministry of uh, Spirit Lord Church in North Minneapolis. I'm Pastor Joe Sutton, and uh, we're here talking about culture. Uh, as I said, when I first went to uh, the university, I went to which is pretty much predominantly black college. I started noticing different cultures. Right, I just never thought that I would meet uh, people that I would consider to be black people doing certain things or living a certain way. And and then that's when I realized that, that race is not culture. And so sometimes when we're uh, taking the Great Commission in the heart, go ye therefore and reach all ethnos, all nations, all, all things, we tend to think in our country uh, that, that race is culture. And we tend to like to bring things into the perspective of, you know, black, white, Latino, Asian, and things like that, and how we mix people up. And then you look around and you find you may find that uh, a Latino or Asian person that's first generation is totally different than someone who's second generation. And then even finding someone who we would consider white, you know, that's first generation over here and still have language problems like a lot of our Russian and Ukrainian brothers and sisters that are here, you know, then we go like, wow, you know, you, it, it, it's flabbergasted us. Or to, or to see to see a, a, a black, <laughs> I had it off, so to see a black guy, on a roller, on you know, roller skating, you know what I mean, or, or you know, skateboarding, and you go like, "What's wrong with him?" You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> and because uh, because we we tend to put people in the categories, and in these categories that we place people in, you know, what I mean, we understand that that we do it by race, but but sometimes you experience a total different culture. 
I mean, to to see, uh, I get I get case in point. You know, I had a, I had a, a guy on my floor that he loved rock and roll, man. I mean, we would sit there in his room, and he'd be listening to Yes and Frampton, and and we like, dude, you know, we talking Sugar Hill Gang, you know, Cameo, you know, and 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 you you where were you raised at? You know what I mean? But you know, he was raised on. You know, you know, his dad was well-to-do, and he was raising, and pretty much everybody he was around, rock music was the thing in his in his school, and that's and his, I guess his dad sent him to a black college so he can get get a little bit blacker. You know what I mean? Maybe we can put a little cameo and Isley Brothers up in him or something like that. But uh, <laughs> you know, I know that's why I sent my daughter to a historically black college because I told her, "Uh, uh-uh, honey." Uh, you don't act like you look. So I'm going to have to send you somewhere where you can pick up some more skills, you know what I mean, Cause coming from Minnesota. But culture is not in it. And when we go to reach people, we think that automatically think that just because a person is is from a, you know, a, a Hispanic or Latino background that we have to come a certain way. We offer them a taco. You know what I mean? It's like it's not, and that's not it. You know what I mean? And they, when they could have been raised in a totally different culture. You know what I mean? And so you can be, you can be, Mono ethnic, right? You could be an all black or all white church, but yet still be a multicultural church because you have different cultures within your church. It's like going to a high school. You got athletes, you got nerds, you got skaters, you got, you know, you got all these little subgroups. You know, you got preppies, you got gangsters, you got you got all these little subgroups and all these different cultural groups in this high school. And so the high school could be one color, but it could be multicultural. And so a lot of times what we do is, is that, but you can also be multi-ethnic, but be monoculture, meaning that everybody can look different. They can be like my church, my church, you can, my church, my church is multi-ethnic, but it's monoculture. And the culture that we all come from is the street. Everybody understands, you know, the drug life, the gang life, the everything like that, you know, getting arrested, felonies, the whole nine yards. You know, but that's the culture. So we're 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 monoculture. And so when other people from another culture, though they're the same race, come there, they don't feel as comfortable. You know what I mean? Because you know, they go like, "Wow, you know, I'm not used to this particular culture." You know what I mean? And so we would never get labeled as a black church. You know what I mean? Because we, you know, we don't have a choir. We don't, you know, it, you know, definitely it's Minnesota, so you ain't got many shouters. And they got one one person that's gonna shout. You know, when they miss a Sunday, it's quiet. You know, and so. You know, if your stereotypical thing that a black church is everybody shouting and dancing and, and banging on a Hammond, yeah, you know I mean we don't get that one. We have a Hammond, but we just don't get that designation. You know, and so because it's a different culture, and you have to understand that when you're going out there, especially in evangelism, and you're trying to reach people, you got to look at what what what's the culture. You know, what I mean, I, and when I and when I have my kids, because my kids have been raised in Minnesota, you know. They they come from a different culture, you know what I mean, and and I have to get them to understand that, you know, when we would go to family reunions, just when they open up their mouth, people think they talk white because they talk because because they come from Minnesota. You say, why y'all talk white? You know what I mean. And so then they look at me like, but I talk black in Minnesota, <laughs> but to you guys it seems white, you know what I mean, because we we're, we're talking proper. And so it's it's those adjustments. It's cultural, it, and that's all it is, you know. And so when when you when you when you're with God and you're worshiping God and you're on an assignment from God, you have to be careful that as you share the gospel with somebody, and that you're helping them come to not, not a, a knowledge of the person, works, and teachings of Christ, that you keep it biblical. 
right? And you don't let them adopt your culture. Now, case in point that I close, and we'll pick this up next week, is that when I'm talking to my brothers and sisters in what we like to call, they all have what they call an English name or a Christian name. You know, my, my, my kids from Nigeria are referred to as Samuel and Esther, but really, you know, Samuel's name is, is, is Ola Lakum, and, you know, Esther is, is, is Ola Ambuka. And so I said, but that that's not how they would introduce themselves to you because they realize that the average Western Westerner can't pronounce it or won't pronounce it. And so they give you what they call their Christian name or their, their, their English name. And, and because, because missionaries had a hard time pronouncing these names, they, they want to give everybody a, a biblical name or other name like that. You have everybody walking around with these names, you know, because culturally, they want them to be like them. I'm at an ordination service in Nigeria. It's almost 100 degrees, and these brothers got on suits, shirts, and ties. You know, I got on the native garb because I'm not sweating. You know what I mean? But culturally, when the gospel was introduced to them, men of God have to have on a shirt, tie, and a jacket. You know what I mean? And so race is not culture. Culture is not biblical. You know, let's stick to what we know and let the word of God be the predominant force in our life. Enjoy your culture. God created and gave it to you. But once again, culture does not override scripture. Hey, you guys have a great weekend. Celebrate what's in the Bible and keep your head on straight. God bless. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.